Welcome to Camp Glory's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message by Pastor Sam Fine. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. As I shared last week, the goal of intercession is to have answered prayer. I mean, your goal is you don't spend a lot of time in prayer to all of a sudden get no answer. The answer is there for us. And as the Lord makes it clear, he said, ask and you shall receive. So it's the privilege of of us as his disciples is to have answered prayer. And, but we're commanded to pray. And God is promised that he would answer. So Jeremiah 33.3 says this. Jeremiah 33.3. Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. I was talking with someone the other day and, and they shared with me that, you know, they didn't really feel like their prayer life was very effective. And the person ended up saying to me, you know, I'm just gonna leave it to the professionals. And I went, the professionals? You know, those that are gifted, you know, the really called and when they pray, you know, you just know that heaven is answering and moving on their behalf. He says, you know, this person said, you know, my prayers are just really, really simple. And I got to thinking, you know, I think it's the simple prayers. It's the simple prayers that God hears. It's those prayers that God wants to answer. You don't need to have a dissertation or a doctorate in prayer. You just, you're just an available individual becoming like a child because you remember what Jesus said, to enter into the kingdom, you must become like what? A child. So having simple prayers is not uh, a deal breaker to God. Actually, it's an invitation to enter into the great things that he has for you. Well, I want to read some of the prayers offered uh, from children. A little boy was asked to pray the Lord's Prayer, and here's what he said. Our Father who art in heaven, Howard be thy name. Give us this steak and daily bread and forget our mattresses. A mother was teaching her three-year-old the Lord's Prayer for several evenings at bedtime and she repeated it after her, her mother. One night she said to her mother, hey mom, I'm ready to go solo. The mother listened with pride as she carefully enunciated each word right up to the end of the prayer. Lead us not into temptation, she prayed, but deliver us some emails, amen. The woman invited some uh, people over for dinner. At the table, she turned to her six-year-old daughter and said, would you like to say the blessing? The girl replied, I I wouldn't know what to say. Just say what you heard your mommy say, the mother answered. The daughter bowed her head and said, Lord, why on earth did I invite all these people to dinner? That'd be funny. (laughs) But you know, there are some people that um, that wanna leave the praying up to those that are anointed or feel that they're the gifted intercessors that pray with great authority. But the truth is that each of us are chosen by God to be his intercessors. 
There is no A team and B team intercessors. There's not like there's this difference between the skilled and the gifted and the simple. We're all on the same team. Revelation 1.5, turn with me there. Let's look at this verse. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Jesus has made us all kings that are to rule in his authority. He's given us his kingly authority. Jesus says, my authority I give unto you. I give you all authority. And in that, as it says that we're also made as priests, priests in the Old Testament were ones that would stand and minister before God and also would lift up the people before God and intercede for them that God might move on their behalf. So Jesus has designed it and made it that each of us are to stand in his authority and to be his priest ministering unto him and interceding on behalf of the people. And you might say, well, you know, I, I just don't know if that's really who I am. I don't feel it. You know, it's not a feeling. It's who you are. You just need to step into it and realize that you are the one that God has called to be his mighty intercessor. I want you to turn with me to John 15, verse 7. This verse holds the key to an effective prayer life. John 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. The first, it says that we're to abide in him, to abide in the vine. You know, we can read over that real quickly. But you know, the aspect of abiding is a little more challenging than what we really think. Abiding is an aspect where it means that you must continue in him, remain in him, surrender unto him. It is an aspect where you are cultivating the awareness of God's presence in your life and you're not allowing anything to come in between you and Jesus. There's nothing in your life that you're allowing to, to come in between you to short circuit the presence of God that you're abiding in, that you're resting in. Remaining in him is that you are trusting him completely and you're depending on him wholly. You know, a branch has no ability to produce fruit. A branch is dependent on the vine to allow the sap to flow into it to produce the fruit that is needed. So we can't work it up. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. It is the abiding life that you must guard and protect. 
It is the abiding life in Jesus that cultivates and releases the power of God through your life. You're simply a vessel. You're a vessel for him. You're emptying yourself out and you're saying, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And you're allowing the spirit of God to flow through you and minister to the situation that is needed, the change that is needed, the help that is needed. But you're, as you're abiding, you've got to trust the Holy Spirit that he knows what he's doing. We don't have to figure out the prayer life. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you. There's almost, there's three phases of abiding as an intercessor of God. The first one is that you're to identify with the situation. You are to be God's burden bearer. Scripture says, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. You're allowing the Holy Spirit to put the burden of a situation on your heart. You're allowing him to grip you with what is going on in the situation that needs prayer, that needs an intervention. So you're identifying, you're basically allowing yourself to identify with the situation as the Holy Spirit flows through you. The next phase of intercession is agony. It's where the Spirit of God within you begins to pray with groanings that are too deep for words. It's where you're cultivating and allowing the Holy Spirit to work within you and to to begin to, to push things through so that you enter into the final stage of intercession where there is, you're entering into the authority stage. You're gaining advantage in the Spirit through, as the Holy Spirit is praying through you, authority is coming, and when you've reached the stage of authority, it's game on. When you've reached the stage of the advantage in the Spirit, you've won the victory. And that's when intercession stops and praise begins. That's when you begin to thank the Lord for the answer and you know that there's gonna be an outcome and you're gonna see things break through for you. So you labor, you, you, you identify with it, you labor with it, and then you gain the advantage, the authority in the spirit. And that's the progression of intercession. That's how we're gripped and that's how the Holy Spirit is able to flow through you with such power that change can happen all around you in people's lives, in situations. But the enemy's strategy is to get a wedge between your abiding place. He wants to get in between you, you and God. He wants to get there and through the means of, of, of your thought life, of your actions, it can be that it can be just like a fiery dart that comes into your mind. You know, the other day, this week, you know, I'm thinking, I'm talking on abiding, so I'm gonna be abiding all week long. This is gonna be good. Well, guess what? I'm in the middle of this abiding place, and I had this thought come into my mind of harm coming to an individual. I entertained it too long. It was a fiery dart from hell. And it got in my mind. 
And as soon as it, it lodged itself within me, I began to feel fearful. I began to feel dread. I began to feel like something's getting ready to happen. But it was all a lie. It wasn't truthful. And I realized I had to, to violently fight against this fiery dart to have it removed from my mind that I could enter into a place back of peace. It took all day long. It wasn't like it was just a, a little thought, okay, get out of here. You don't belong here. No, it had lodged in me. And so I had to grapple with it. I had to deal with it. But I had to guard the abiding place because the enemy did not want me to be there because he knew that that's really his greatest threat. When people find the abiding place, what does the scripture say? Ask whatever you wish and it shall be done. So the condition is guard the abiding place. Your connection with God, remaining with him and not allowing anything to come in between you two. The, the principle that makes the abiding life work is 1 John 2, 6. The one says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. In other words, allowing Jesus to live his life through you as if he were walking on the earth. So it's kind of like, you know, you're in situations you're like, okay, what would Jesus do in this situation? And you basically step into doing exactly what Jesus would do, no matter what you're experiencing. You're saying, Lord Jesus, speak to me now. Show me in your word. How, do, how would you handle this situation? And then all of a sudden, okay, that's what it is. You walk in it. And you're manifesting the essence of Christ through your life as if you were walking on this earth. I love the story of Reese Howe, and I, I'd like to have everybody in this house get this book, Reese Howe Intercessor. And I know a dear brother in this house has handed out a number of them, and I, if, he, if you've gotten one of them, I want you to read it, because it is a very powerful, powerful book. I think this individual said he handed out about a dozen of them. And I asked the other day, has anybody read that book? And no hand went up, he went, hmm. <laughs> so, so read the book, it's a good book. But I love this story during the Welsh Revival when the Lord began to teach him about this abiding place during the Welsh Revival. And one day after one of the revival meetings in Wales, he was walking past a group of ladies and, and, uh, and these ladies never came to the meeting and they could tell by their voices that they'd been drinking. And one in the party yelled out, where is the power to change these people? Well, that wasn't the thing to say to Reese Howell. Where's the power to change these people? And Reese took it as a challenge. And he said, it's game on. Well, he didn't say that, but I said that. He said, it's time. So right then and there, Reese Howell took the challenge. And he picked out the ringleader amongst those ladies who was a confirmed drunkard and he was determined and believed in his heart that he was to pray her into the kingdom by Christmas day. And this was gonna be something new for him because during the revival, Reese had seen many drunkards getting saved. 
But the Lord had always worked through his connections in helping lead people to the Lord. But in this particular situation, he didn't know the lady and he didn't have any connections with her. And the Lord told him that he was not to use his personal influence to lead her to Jesus. So obviously this was gonna be a real test, one that he's never experienced before. Could the power of the Holy Spirit work through the atonement as he lifted her up to the throne room of grace and see her saved by Christmas and be done through abiding prayer? The Lord says, as you abide in me, I will move on her life. So the Spirit gave him John 15, 7. So it was going to depend on his abiding in Jesus for her salvation. So this clear makes, this verse makes it really clear that the promises are unlimited. The promises of what God can do are, are unlimited, but the condition depends on the abiding. It depends on his abiding. So the way Mr. Howells maintained this abiding, he would be spending time waiting on God as he was interceding for her. He would wait on God every day as he was interceding and praying for her for God to speak to him through the Holy Spirit. And so he would continue in this place day by day. And he was increasingly conscious and aware that the Holy Spirit was engaging the enemy through him as he prayed. And he realized that, that the enemy was losing his hold on this individual's life. And then there came the day when after much intercession where he identified, where then he, there was much agony and, and there was groaning in the spirit, he came to the place where he knew he had gained the authority. He knew he had gained the advantage in the spirit. And from that time on, the Lord said, intercession is to cease. And now you're to thank me and praise me for the victory. Now you're to praise me for what I'm getting ready to do. And then he told the devil this, now I know that the Holy Spirit has brought you nigh because of Calvary. So Christmas morning came, and the Lord said to him, go up and possess it. Go up and take it. So he's in the service, and, and it was a time in which, you know, all the moms, they brought in all their children for the Christmas service so it wasn't, there was a lot of noise, so it wasn't this really in, inviting environment for someone to be, to be led to repentance and come to, to know Jesus during the service. And then all of a sudden, guess who walks through the door? The lady, the drunkard. And she came in and she sat down amongst all the children running around, all the noise, 
And in the middle of the service, she got on her knees and she cried out for mercy. And she said, save me, Lord, in the middle of the service on Christmas Day. The victory had been won through abiding. The victory had been won as he labored in prayer and saw the power of God confront the enemy over her life and bring her to that service and lead her to Jesus. Reese had gained the place of authority through abiding in Jesus as he interceded. And that is the place that he wants to bring everyone in this house is you're interceding and praying through a situation that he brings you to that point where you've gained the authority in the spirit and you know you have the victory and then there's the release and then there's praise and the manifestation of what God wants to do on this earth. The second key in that verse of John 15, seven is this, is allowing his words to abide in you. To allow, as the scripture says in Colossians 3, to allow his word to richly dwell within you. So it's allowing the words of Christ to govern your life. It's allowing the words of Jesus to lead you and guide you in your own personal life. You know, the scripture says that a man makes his plans, but it's the Lord that directs your steps. It is the word of God that gives light in situations where you just don't, you don't have the answer. You can't see uh, what the Lord is doing in this situation. It's, it's literally putting what you believe into practice. It's, it's walking what you believe. But the Sermon on the Mount are the laws of the kingdom. And we're to, we're to act on them to the hilt in a way. So that that is to be our response in life. The Sermon on the Mount is kind of like Jesus giving a commentary on the law. The Sermon on the Mount is John 5 all the way through chapter 7. And through that time, Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. And in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, which is really the laws of the kingdom, what we're discovering is that in this, you'll find out, you'll learn how to pray. You'll learn about personal relationships. You'll learn about your, your money and what you should do with it. You'll learn about how to fast. You'll learn, do not judge. You'll learn how to walk with your brother and sister in life. And you'll learn how to build a strong foundation that will not be shaken when the winds and the waves come in your life. These are the laws of the kingdom. The Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever given. But it's these aspects that the Lord wants to dwell within us that would govern our life. Because the way of abiding is keeping his word. It's not disobeying what he says. It's not turning a blind eye when the Lord says something in his word. You think, well, that doesn't really apply to me. I don't know how they got in the Bible. 
John 15.10 says this, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You will abide in me in love. So really keeping his word demonstrates that you love him, that your life is his. Your life is not your own. You're living this for him. Guarding the abiding place in God is crucial for one's effectiveness in their prayer life. When we abide in God in prayer, we surrender our will and discover his will over a situation. You know, we're not praying so that we can get things done our way. It's to get things done his way. But in that abiding, you know what the Father wants and you're yielding to it. So the Holy Spirit can take the advantage in a situation that you're praying about. You're simply a vessel, a vessel that God wants to flow through. As simple as your prayer life might be, God can do such great things as his power flows through you. You know, it's in our weakness that his power is perfected. So if you feel like you're weak in prayer, well, praise God. God's power is going to flow through you. You know, it's really not a fair fight. It's really not a fair fight because God wins every time. He's a winner. He never loses. And when he's flowing through you, he knows how to gain the advantage. We just need to avail ourselves. You know, I just, I, I love today just, just watching Michaela up here as she was just leading us in prayer. I mean, what she said was so profound. But she was just allowing herself for God to flow through her and to minister prayer in our church. God can use anybody. Even get James 5.16 says this, the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, a believer, can accomplish much. When put into action and made effective by God, it is dynamic and can have tremendous power. Dynamic and have tremendous power. You know, all we got to do is enter into the victory. The victory that was won at Calvary. And in that, as we enter into this victory, his dynamic life flows through us and brings about great change. I believe there is many things in this house that people are contending with, that people are grappling with and wondering, God, are you really going to answer this Are you really going to break through? Are you really going to bring change? Are you really going to help me in this situation? Am I the only one in the house that wants to see God move? Am I the only one that wants to see God move in power in this house and bring revival? God wants to do great and mighty things, but it's dependent upon us 
to realize it's not by might nor by power, but it's by his spirit. God will win the victory through you as you avail yourself and say, Lord, here am I. As simple as I am, use me. And I believe this house is going to see great and mighty things done. I like to win. I don't know about you, but I don't like to lose. When I play, I want to win. Does anybody just want to lose? I mean, come on, we're not losers, we're winners. I want to see you win in life. I want to see things change on your behalf. So let's stand. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.